to return to the northern shore. How many current transfers to turn these tears to ice flows that we might resurrect Okyokoka's face. Your face. My God. You've never seen such beauty. Such blue. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, so... This piece came about uh, when I was really uh, meditating on and obsessing over sort of the different methods um, by which we sort of examine death and resurrection and sort of what that looks like in a lot of different places, um, especially as it relates to memory and forgetting. Uh, so the, the title of the poem is true. Uh, I learned about Rupkund Lake, which is a, a lake in the Himalayas where uh, hundreds of skeletal remains are found every year. They're from all over the world and no one really knows how they got there. Um, I learned about that the same day that I learned about Okyokoka, which is an, uh, a glacier in Iceland. Um, that uh, that day, um, environmental activists held a funeral for Okyokoka because it, was, uh, it had shrunk so much due to climate change that it could no longer be considered a glacier. And Iceland is a place that's very dear to my family. Um, especially, you know, since my grandmother immigrated from there uh, and is now living uh, in Fort Lauderdale uh, with dementia. Uh, and so I've been thinking a lot about homeland and, you know, what memory looks like and sort of what happens as that memory starts to shrink. Um, what, what duty do we have to the memory of, you know, those skeletons in the lake? What duty do we have to the memory of the glacier that, you know, can no longer exist as a glacier anymore and you know what duty do we have you know to our ancestors uh, to continue to listen to and tell those stories um, and also you know I think that there is you know this idea of sort of pilgrimage and alienation um, my Icelandic grandmother living in Fort Lauderdale is something that I think about a lot and you know I wonder you know about her seeing her homeland again and uh, what that might look like Thanks again. Her chuckle, a lush fern valley. Green feathering over green. A sparrow reeled out the bushes past me. I inhale the dirt, the solitudes, the give. So I wrote Abundance, um, I was in my last quarter at Western Washington University. Um, I was, you know, finishing my MFA in creative writing and the pandemic had started. I was taking a poetry class and my professor, uh, Bruce Beasley, asked us to go for a two hour walk and free write. Um, so some some of the language came from that. Um, and then at the same time, I was, you know, finishing my thesis, I was taking, I was TAing an Asian, Amer Asian American literature class. And so, um, you know, all of the, the themes of intergenerational trauma, migration, class, mental health, queerness, these were all um, on my mind, what I was writing about, what I was reading about. Um, and so that's how this poem came about. So she left one note for New York to rebuild her daughter's future. I unbrick our legacy one year at a time. In this, 
I know to be patient, how to re-engineer the past until all roads turn back. This poem germinated three years ago before my own son was born during my last trip to Europe. While in Italy, my husband and I stumbled upon a statue of Pope Gregory VII in a church that held Matthew's relics. Gregory's statue was in the church's main hall and displayed as if a body in a glass coffin. As we stood by it, wondering at this random find, I thought of my Panamanian family. My eight great-aunts from my great-grandfather's marriage and the nine great-aunts from his second relationship after my great-grandmother died. In Panama and in all of Latin America, class is the racial weapon wielded against black and indigenous people, and my family is very much the wielder. My great-grandfather was an engineer and worked on the canal, but also engineered much of Panama's early infrastructure. My brothers and I were the first children on our Panamanian side to be born in the United States. My grandfather is from Puerto Rico, and due to the circumstances of my mother's birth, his name was forbidden from her until she was an adult and could develop her own relationship with her father. So I know much less about my Puerto Rican side, but each time I am in Puerto Rico, I feel like I'm home, like I belong. Not so in Panama. My ancestors haunt me constantly on all sides. The pettiness, meanness, short-sightedness, avarice, and shallowness of a large part of my Panamanian family is a remainder of the brutal colonization of Latin America and the Caribbean by the French and Spanish. Their blood flows through me, ghosts in my veins, just as the blood of my Taeno ancestors flow through me. So many of us are in constant battle with ourselves, especially now. I cannot refuse my European colonizer ancestors, but I can find a way to tame them inside me and render their voices powerless. Every day is a new chance to beat them down and allow the voices they systemically oppressed and murdered in conquest of power and land to rise up over them instead. But still work. Men make more calls than women. They all come again and again. I want to call my father to say like the others, don't worry, I am doing the best I can. The inspiration for Telephone came from a story I read about a phone booth in Japan where people come to process their grief and call up their dead. At the time, I was working on poems about my father after his sudden passing about a year ago, so the story really moved me. So that's the piece that came first, and then the other pieces came later. I'm still working on poems about my father. Some of them are about his life, the others about about his death, and some of them are about his relationships with other family members. I did not grow up with him, so I don't have very many memories of him. So this process of excavation is, take, is taking a while, and um, I have to go far back into my mind to think of small moments that I shared with him or that I remember. We will blow you saltwater kisses that will dot your cheeks. Open up your hands, my wife. The air is calm. I will not miss.
I have a picture of um, my mom and dad and I at the beach at Wrightsville Beach from 1969 that I look at pretty much every day. It's in the in the hall, and um, my mom's in her white bathing cap, and I'm in this red bathing suit, and my dad is still pretty healthy, um, even though he can't go into the into the ocean because of of polio. And um, that picture always has felt like a like a snapshot, kind of into um, into the potential of our family. And um, my dad died in 1987, and when my mom remarried in 1990, um, you know, I got to know this this new person who, um, you know, as I say many times in the essay, he is nothing like my dad, except he also loves my mother, um, and he's a you know he's a good guy and. Um, he uh, is a diabetic and he's now in in end stage kidney failure and um covid is here and i live um in northern arizona and my mom lives in the phoenix area so we're about 2 hours apart um a whole bunch of air um and i started thinking about how i could help her not being able to be near her and certainly not being able to be near my stepfather because of covid and um, I did what I usually do in these circumstances. I turned to the Ravens, the Corvids, um, and I turned to the ancestors and asked what they can do um, to help. And what seemed most important to me right now is for someone to be able to be supportive of my mother. Um, and that got me thinking about my father. Um, when I found out what my mom's cell phone password was and that it was the anniversary of her marriage to my dad um that was a detail that kind of got in my head and and uh you know kind of took off from there um i imagined what it would be like if my dad was was watching and and able to help my mother go through something that she's already been through once with one man that she loved and um imagining what it would be like if my dad were there to welcome my stepfather and um both of them could then you know be present for my mom um, for the rest of, you know, her life here on earth. So thank y'all for listening and, um, for taking this piece.